Welcome to the Shift HR Radio Download, where our mission is to serve as a valuable resource that will empower you to make meaningful impacts in your workplace. My name is Karen Byington, and I'll be your host today. So it's been about one year since the Me Too movement began awakening the country to how pervasive the issue of sexual harassment is in our workplaces. But the EEOC has been working for decades to educate workers and employers and to prevent harassment and to investigate and litigate many thousands of cases that are brought to their attention. So today, SHIFT's founder and employment law attorney, Catherine Nook Freeman, is here to give us an update on the activity and trends reported by the EEOC, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, since the start of the Me Too movement. So welcome back, Catherine. Thanks, Karen, and hello to everybody on the call. So one year past Me Too. What's the headline, Catherine? Uh, undoubtedly, it would have to be something like unprecedented activity and legislative response. It's been a whirlwind, that's for yeah. sure. All right. Why don't you tell us a little more about that? So to, to give you a little bit of a, a backdrop of what we're seeing right now in terms of the EEOC response, um, the EEOC just released their interim statistics. They couldn't even wait till the end of the year. They had to let them out early this fall. Um, so for fiscal year 2018, They showed a number of trends that employers absolutely need to be aware of and then act in accordance with. So first, they showed that charges filed with the EEOC alleging sexual harassment have increased by more than 13.6% over last year, fiscal year 2017. And uh, their interim statistics also showed that the number of sexual harassment lawsuits filed by the EEOC itself increased by more than 50% over fiscal year 2017. The number of reasonable cause findings by the EEOC increased from 970 in fiscal year 2017 to nearly 1,200 in fiscal year 2018. Um, and overall, the EEOCs recovered nearly $70 million for sexual harassment complaints through litigation and administrative enforcement by their entity in fiscal year 2018. And that's up from $47.5 million in 2017. So, so bottom line, there's been a significant amount of activity Claims are coming out of the woodwork. The EEOC also says that they have doubled the hits on their website on the page how to file a complaint. So as I said, it's it's been a whirlwind. Yeah, really significant. And not only, you know, do these show that not only are more people bringing complaints to the EEOC, which probably would be expected, but that the EEOC really has stepped up their game and their activity in response to Me Too. Yes, it most certainly has. And in fact, the acting chair of the EEOC, Victoria Lipnick, she noted that her agency staff has, you know, quote unquote, stepped up to the heightened demand of the Me Too movement to make clear that workplace harassment is not only unlawful, it's simply not acceptable. And then she's also gone on to say that she sees her agency, the EEOC, as playing a part in this transformative time in our history. So they're really taking their role seriously. Yeah. And knowing that the EEOC is hyper-focused on making an impact on, you know, preventing sexual harassment and enforcing policies in the workplace, it's really more important than ever that employers have a good understanding of the standards that the EEOC is expecting them to live up to. Mm -hmm. So can you just highlight for us some of the recommendation that the EEOC has made in this area and what employers really need to know. Yeah, so referring back to the EEOC's 2016 guidance, um, back in 2016, the EEOC convened a select task force on harassment, and they issued a full report outlining recommendations for employers. And we at Shift were actually thrilled when we saw the report because it 
the EEOC recommended a number of things that we had already started to do and started to help employers with. But essentially, that guidance, 2016 guidance, is chock full of detail, but a number of things mentioned in it that employers really need to continue to note is that the commission emphasized that organizational leadership must be involved in anti-harassment efforts and must devote both time and resources to be effective. And so what this really means is that leaders need to take the time to really communicate the significance of maintaining a harassment-free workplace and invest the resources, put put their, you know, their money where their mouth is and really invest the time and resources to properly train employees and not just check the box. Right. So employees really need to see it coming from the top and know that exactly. there is um, significance in a uh, significant importance placed on it by their leaders and not just you know, words and policies that are coming across it don't look like they have any backup. Absolutely. You know, you know, for years there, you know, have there been organizations that don't send certain top members of management to training programs on preventing harassment and discrimination, and that just sends a completely uh, wrong message to employees. And speaking of training, the commission places a strong emphasis on training, and they actually included in that guidance really strong language around the fact that status quo training, the training that had been done to date for decades, was not showing that it was sufficient enough in many instances. So the EEOC said it really needs to focus on this training needs to be for all employees, everybody from the very top to the very bottom. Training needs to be at least once a year, if not more often. And so again, this EEOC guidance is different than state's legal requirements, but the EEOC is looking to see how many times have you trained your employees on preventing harassment and discrimination each year. They also talked about that training for supervisors needed to be differentiated from non-supervisory employees. Can you tell us a little bit about why that recommendation comes out? What's the significance of making different training for supervisors and non? Yes, absolutely. It's something that we have been advising and recommending for for forever because supervisors under the law, whether it's under the federal law, discussing harassment-free workplaces or state law, really these laws impose upon supervisors distinct responsibilities that they have that non-supervisory employees don't have. And they have these responsibilities to take action to help create a harassment and discrimination-free workplace. And if supervisors don't know what those responsibilities are, then they can't affect their their responsibilities in that regard. So you really need to spend more time with supervisors so that they understand clearly what's prohibited conduct in the workplace, what's acceptable, and then what their role is in, in really advocating for and um, ensuring a, a harassment-free workplace. Um, And then the guidance also talked about that the training that employers do needs to address more than just harassment, more than just the legal issues, but really should be thinking about including topics like unconscious bias and civility and respect in the workplace and and that sort of thing, Um, bystander training as well. Right. So with the EEOC's strong emphasis on training, combined with we know that they're increasing their pursuit of litigations, I mean, I think we can be pretty sure that when they do do their investigations, they're going to be asking employers, you know, are you training and how often? Right, right. Well, it's clear that training's not merely a suggestion. You know, as, as I mentioned, they want to see how often are you doing it each year. And you can imagine when an employee files a charge with the EEOC, one of the first bits of information that the EEOC is going to ask for from the employer is, show us your training record and which employees have been trained and how often. 
Right. So listeners, we have a whole podcast that takes a much deeper dive into this EEOC Select Task Force report. Um, You can find it on GetShiftHR's website or anywhere that you subscribe to this podcast. And it really um, gives you a lot more information about the details of the training that we kind of just breezed over right now. So Catherine, in addition to the more activist EEOC, what other significant changes have you seen come out of the Me Too movement um, that employers really should be aware of? Right. Well, I'm sure employers have been watching, just as we have, the number of states which have started to mandate harassment training. So, you know, as of you know, as of last year, there were only three jurisdictions which mandated harassment training, and those were California, Connecticut, and Maine. And three more jurisdictions have been added to that list within the past year. So now New York State, New York City, and Delaware. And California... Um, you know, has also responded to that activity and expanded its training mandate. So now it requires that all employees be trained, similar to what New York and New York City require, and not just supervisory employees. And then there are three additional jurisdictions where mandated harassment training is pending, and those are Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Virginia. So is there a common element among all these legislative efforts? I mean, can you see them coming directly from Me Too? You know, I think, you know, many of them, it's it's clear that, you know, they've taken the EEOC recommendations and guidelines into consideration because they've, you know, they've mentioned, again, that all employees need to be train, trained and it needs to go above and beyond just the legal requirements and, um, you know, whether it should address bystander intervention and anti-bullying. But Again, the emphasis really should be this is not check-the-box training, but it needs to be training that's aimed at being effective in eradicating harassment and discrimination in the workplace. Yeah, and then in addition to training, they had a few other requirements that I think some of these states are kind of emphasizing. Um, like yeah. harassment policies and postings and exactly you know. yeah they're using it as an opportunity to really take additional steps to eradicate harassment beyond the training context whether it's with respect to policies or postings or limitations and arbitration agreements non-disclosure agreements so there's really been an you know an, an active push to eliminate harassment and discrimination in the workplace okay so with all that being said um, what is your best advice for employers at this point? We'll continue to stay updated. You know, many of you I know are on Shift's um, mailing list, and and Nook Freeman and Sarah also has a great uh, distribution list of uh, electronic alerts when there are changes to these laws. So definitely continue to stay apprised of these laws through information. Consult with your legal counsel regularly. If you haven't done any reviews of your harassment policies and posting requirements, definitely consult with your employment attorneys about those types of issues and and really just really continue to take your responsibility of training your entire workforce seriously. And again, really involving the very top leaders of your organization and promoting the importance of this training to maintain not just legal compliance. This isn't just about being politically correct and legally compliant, but you really want to maintain a healthy and positive work environment. And by choosing the best possible training, you know, we always like to say at Shift that our training respects the learner so that learners respect our training. And that's really the approach you want to take. You want to choose high quality training that really will be effective and will address these recommendations set forth from the EEOC. 
Great. Well, Catherine, as always, we really appreciate your time and your advice. And listeners, we welcome you to contact us at GetShiftHR.com and let us know if you have questions or you need more information or you'd like to know more about the training options at Shift. So thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.